Um, so yeah, good morning. It's great to have so many people in the room and lovely to be speaking to you at home as well. Uh, those of you who live in the Huddersfield area are probably familiar with Digley Reservoir. Uh, it's uh, a spot that in the Home Valley that people like to drive their cars and then do a circular walk around the reservoir. And when you're doing that walk, when you're about halfway around, you cross a dam for the reservoir above Digley, and that's Bilberry Reservoir. And it's beautiful surroundings, beautiful countryside. It's a lovely place to be. The thing is, it hasn't always been like that. And on one particular occasion in 1852, during the night, after heavy rain, the Bilberry Dam burst. And it sent 86 million gallons of water cascading down the Home Valley. It was terrifying, terrifying. Many, many buildings were destroyed and 81 lives were lost. It's a tragic picture, but it's a picture I think about whenever I read a particular verse in Proverbs. And it's Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 14. It says this, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before the dispute breaks out. The topic of my talk this morning is handling conflict well. Of course, not all conflict is manifest as quarrelling, as in this verse here, this verse, but poorly handled conflict, however it's manifest, can be damaging and destructive. If we fail to handle conflict well, it undermines peace and unity. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, tells us this. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. And Psalm 133 contains these words. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. We all want peace. We all want unity. But we don't always behave in ways that lead to peace or that lead to unity. We have been using the phrase roots down, walls down. Roots down talks about putting our, our roots of our relationship down into our relationship with God, to his people in the church, but also into our relationships outside of the church in, in our everyday lives. And walls down speaks of bringing down the barriers that both would keep people away from the church in some way, but also that would hinder us in going out into our communities to be a blessing wherever we can. Poorly handled conflict obviously and inevitably cuts across us putting our roots down into our relationships with the people around us. And not only that, but ultimately it will cut across putting our roots down into our relationship with God as well. And poorly handled conflict will have an effect too on those looking in at the church. Consider these words of Jesus from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is as people see our love for each other that they recognize that we belong to Jesus. Poorly handled conflict cuts right against this. 
across this. Sorry. So Jesus commands us to love one another. You know, learning to love goes a long way to reducing the occurrence of conflict in the first place, but also helps us have the right attitudes when conflicts do occur. Sometimes conflicts occur just because we clash over our personal preferences. Jack thinks things should be done one way, but Jill thinks they should be done another way. Situations like this are inevitable because we're different. And that is both our strength, but also our potential weakness if we don't handle it well. I love some of the practical comments that Paul puts into his letters to the churches in the Bible. They provide some insight into some of the nitty-gritty realities of life amongst those early Christians. Two of the members of the church at Philippi appear to have been at odds with one another over some undisclosed matter. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, we read this. This is Paul writing. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And then he goes on to encourage others there to help them to resolve their differences. I wonder whether this situation was ever actually resolved. I wonder if their relationship was restored. I hope so. To be honest, I'm a bit curious to know what it was all about. Maybe it was something relatively trivial. Or maybe it was something of significance. Who knows? I have a question for you. Do you know the name of the scale that describes wind speed? I wonder if anybody in the room knows the name for the scale which describes wind speed. Yes, to give it its full name, it's the Beaufort Wind Force Scale, apparently. And it's a means for judging wind speed based on the observable effect of the wind. And it ranges from calm, which is no wind at all, through breezes and gales of varying strengths, to violent storms and hurricanes. If you can feel the wind gently across your face, maybe in your hair, (laughs) and you can hear the leaves rustling on the trees, then you're experiencing a light breeze. If, on the other hand, you've narrowly been missed being struck by falling chimney pots and roof tiles, you are experiencing a severe gale. Even more severe, of course, if the falling chimney pots and roof tiles fail to miss you. Different wind speeds necessitate different responses. In the same way, different types of conflict, depending where they sit on a scale, as it were, can be handled in different ways. Suppose we're experiencing a light breeze type of conflict. There is a verse in Proverbs that I find really helpful at times like that. It's in chapter 19, verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. There are times when we might choose to overlook an offence. Situations where we decide to just let it go and believe the best of that person. Maybe they're tired or preoccupied and that's why they were a bit impatient or snappy. Let's face it, we appreciate it when it's the other way around. And someone is like that towards us. However, there are situations where it is not, even, it's not always possible or even desirable to overlook an offence. In fact, there are some circumstances where we must definitely not 
overlook an offence. If you are subject to abuse, or you know someone else who is subject to abuse, you must act, you must report it. Protect yourself and protect others. As a church, we have a safeguarding policy which details circumstances which require reporting and give information on how to do so. You can find it on the homepage of the church website. There are other, perhaps less serious circumstances where nevertheless the situation has to be faced and dealt with. Jesus himself gave instruction for dealing with some of these more serious situations and you can read about them in Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17. But that is not the type of thing I have time to address this morning. My focus here is on the more run-of-the-mill type of conflicts, things that pop up in all our lives and are applicable to all sorts of situations. And if we can learn to handle them well, it will make such a difference to our collective lives. So I'm going to give you three tips for handling conflict well. The first, check your motivation. Handling conflict is not about winning an argument. It's about achieving achieving peace and restoring relationships. Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, It is to one's honour to avoid strife, but a fool is quick to quarrel. Let's be sure that we're not simply being quarrelsome. A good indicator of your motivation is your willingness to say, Sorry, your willingness to admit that maybe you are at fault a bit too. Sorry is such a powerful word and has a deep effect on your life when you use it and on the life of those who hear it. In Genesis 13, we hear about cousins Abraham and Lot. Both have large families with large quantities of livestock and arguments break out about where their respective herds and flocks should be pastured. pastured. Um, and we read about it in Genesis 13, 8-9. It says, So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarrelling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, I will go to the left. For the sake of finding peace and a resolution to the conflict, Abram was willing to let Lot have the first choice. He was willing to let go. If you like, he was willing to lose. He wasn't trying to win an argument. He was trying to restore peace and find a solution. Ultimately, his trust was in God, not in winning an argument. So number one, check your motivation. Number two, check your emotions. It's next to impossible to handle conflict well if you feel like a kettle about to boil or even worse, a volcano about to erupt. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's make sure that we are in control of our emotions before we attempt to resolve conflict with someone. It is possible that when we step away and cool down, that the dispute will not seem nearly so important. And sometimes if we're in the middle of an argument and we realise things are getting a bit overheated, again, it can be a good idea to just step back, calm down. Some situations are like those old-fashioned incandescent light bulbs. They create more heat than light. Proverbs 16.32 Better is one with self-control than a warrior 
who takes a city. So check your emotions. Check your motivation. Check your emotions. And thirdly, check your facts. It's amazing the extent to which we will assume we know the facts of a situation without checking. For example, we assume we know what someone is thinking. Or we assume we know why someone has done what they have done. A key thing for checking facts is to listen. Suppose I said we can have a quiz. Some of you quiz lovers would say, oh, it's great, love a quiz. But I then said to you, you have to give me the answer before I tell you the question. It's not so easy now, is it? Well, listen to this verse from Proverbs 18, verse 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And then in James 1.19, it contains these words. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, we would save ourselves so much aggravation if we really got to grips with these two verses. If necessary, ask questions first, but then listen. Really listen. Check your facts and be willing to see things from the other person's point of view. So, there's three things. Check your motivation, check your emotions, and check your facts. And then just as a little footnote I want to slip underneath there. Keep the conflict to those involved. There are times when it can be wise to ask a trusted friend or somebody of maturity and wisdom for advice about a particular difficult situation. But it's bad to gossip. Proverbs 26 verse 20 relates one who gossips to conflict. It says this, Without wood, a fire goes out. And without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. So there's lots more you could say. There's lots of how-tos, lots of tips, and there's lots of books about handling conflict well. Probably lots of good websites as well. And developing good skills is helpful, but fundamental to learning how to handle conflict well is to prioritize our personal relationship with Jesus. As we do this, we will increasingly produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. As I read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, just listen to the fruit and think about how useful they would be in handling conflict well. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not hard to see that these qualities are key in our attempts to learn to handle conflict well. So let's prioritize our relationship with Jesus. Let's get our roots down into our relationship with him. Remember the big picture. Here's a quiz question. Where is it that God commands his blessing? Psalm 133, where brothers and sisters, where the family of God dwell together in unity. We want to create and maintain an environment where God commands his blessing. How will people know that God, we are God's disciples? John 13, if you love one another. We want to create and maintain an environment where our love for each other is a testimony to anyone who observes it that we belong to God. So I just want to encourage you, invite you to reflect just briefly on what I've shared this morning to think if there's one particular thing that you will take home with you from what I've shared today. Maybe there's something which has struck 
a particular chord with you. Lord, help us to live our lives well. Help us to stay rooted in you and in our relationships with one another. Help us to handle conflict well and for the love seen among us to speak to others of your love. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.